And it is a moment. It is a moment. Isn't it? Because I distinctly remember the moment that I decided that it was possible. Yep. Because I didn't, I wasn't even thinking that it was in the realm of possibility before that until I thought, well, wait a minute, this is very realistic. everybody to another episode of nourish your drive i'm so excited to sit live in person with the person that we're actually interviewing today uh, because i'm in london and i am interviewing a colleague of mine um, who actually is from the states and veronica's not joining us today because um, hunter is in school so hunter has started her preschool classes virtually in this new covid world um, and so Veronica's not with us today. So the sound may sound a little bit different just because we are coming from a different um, location. We're on site with our guests. Um, and I also wanna make a note that today is September 15th. And for those out there who don't know, some of our international followers perhaps, September 15th is actually the kickoff for Hispanic Heritage Month, which is something that's personally very important to me um, from my Nicaraguan background, from my mother's side. Um, and something that I've been really involved with for a, for a long time, including you know my Latin sorority that I was involved in um, and some of the other things that I did while I worked for ADP before I moved to the UK. So I'm really excited that I get to interview a fellow Latina on today's episode um, and talk a little bit more about her experiences. So you guys can't see us, but if you could, it'd be really interesting because we look really cute. Super cute. Uh, yeah, because we're going to go get drinks after this. But... Um, <laughs> It's actually kind of unique. This is our first live recording of the episode. So I really wish oh. somebody was videoing us because oh, it would yeah. be really interesting. And we match. Yeah. Too, with we our do. black and white. Yeah. So um, welcome, Thank Selena you. Benavente, Thank to you. Nourish Your Drive. Thank you. Um, so the reason why we reached out to Selena to ask her to come onto the show is because Selena has a very interesting story. She is um, part of corporate America, has, has been engaged in international, global software as a service sales for quite some time but she took a sabbatical uh, midway through and decided you know what i'm gonna take a leap and i'm just gonna go travel for a couple months so we're gonna talk about that today um but selena i'm just interested because i've already talked about my london experience but what has it been like for you here in london during the pandemic and how do you feel about things now because we're in september yeah um at the beginning, I don't know, it hasn't been that bad. I think at this point, all the days have blended together. Like, I don't remember anything that happened in April or May because it's just like you get out of bed, you go to work in your living room, and then, <laughs> and then you finish and you sit in your living room and whatever. So um, I, don't, I quite liked the peace and quiet because it got really, really quiet here in central London during the quarantine and I started to hear the church bells and I started to hear birds chirping and all of that, which I don't normally hear yep. in central London. So that part was nice. Um, yeah, I, I miss traveling the most, I would say, of course. I think a lot of people yeah. would say that, but um, I've started to travel a little bit, so I'm happy that it's over-ish. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think it was terrible. Okay. 
I mean, I, we're just so for the listeners, we're in central London right now. We're really close to Oxford Circus. We're in Selena's apartment. We had to close all the windows because the traffic is heavy. Yeah. And coming out of the, the tube station today, I was overwhelmed by how many people are in central now. Yeah. Because I was walking through here like March, April, May time, just like on my bike or by myself, and there was no one. Yeah, it was so nice. I know. It was really nice. So to have that for so long and then for people to come back, it's just kind of... You're like, why are you in I my miss space? It. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So... How long have you been in London now? So I've been in London now three and a half years. I moved here in February 2017. Wow. Okay. And you call it home. Yeah, I do. Because I don't feel like America is my home. It's where I'm from, but I don't feel like it's home. Okay. Why's that? Yeah. Uh, Probably because I don't ever want to go back. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Okay. I get that. But why is that? Uh, For a lot of reasons. I don't know. I just... I, I prefer... The European culture. I like the way that people enjoy life more. And it's not about things or what you've accomplished or where you're from or where you're going or what you do. It's about life and traveling to different places and having an appreciation for so many different cultures. Being able to go to another country within an hour is just really incredible. And I think that that's shaped a lot of people the way that they are and their perceptions and everything like that. And I just prefer to be around that. I completely understand that because when I first moved here, you know, a person from the States, I get here and people are like, oh, you know, who are you? Where are you from? Where yeah. do you live? Why are you here? Yeah. But they don't ask, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And in the States, everyone yeah. asks. It's like the first question. Yeah. And it's here, it's completely different. Yeah. It's not, what do you do? Mm-mm. Not even on a date, really. No. Yeah. Until later, and they're like, why do you care? <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, you have family back in the States still. I do, yeah. Yeah, so how's that been, being here and them there and everything? I mean, it's fine, because I lived in San Francisco before I moved to London. Got it. When I was living in San Francisco, I was still a six-hour flight away from my family, which is in Munster and Florida, Munster, Indiana, and, and Florida. So, I mean, even back then when I was still in the States, we would still have to communicate via FaceTime. I would only see them a couple times a year. So actually not much has changed at all from me living in the U.S. and San Francisco to now London. And you've had a lot of travel experiences from a younger age. Yeah. You did a lot of like educational trips, which I Mm -hmm. love because, you know, we did our pre-questions and you're like, I went here and I went there. But um, just for the listeners as well, like you're also a fellow Purdue alum, which, you know, I have to like love the fact that that's the case. So like this is a great episode for everybody who's listening because she's a Purdue Latina alum and I'm just (laughs) loving it. So... Because um, I'm you. You're me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that first travel memory that really got the bug going. You went to D.C. on yeah. like a school trip. Yeah, it was a school trip. Um, so I was growing up in Munster, Indiana, and um, it was a school trip that I found out about from my older sister, who's two grades above me. She had gone, and she came back and told all these good stories. So it was like a chaperone trip for I think two nights and three days or something it was a quick trip and we went to all the capitol buildings and all that kind of stuff and that was just really fun like to be in a hotel away from my parents and to like explore and it was just super fun so that's what got me started like oh this is possible to go see a new place and have a really good time and then you know go home after that so well I think like a lot of travel 
what people don't consider is the independence that you have to have and like the self-assurance that you have to have to be able to say, I'm going to go by myself or I'm going to go without my family and I'm going to go on these trips. Because a lot of the the early memories that we discussed with some of our other guests is really like family related trips. And this one Mm -hmm. stuck out to you because you were like, no, I went solo and I went with a group, but I didn't go with my family. Yeah, that's true. That's really true. And I think maybe that's what made the difference because we had traveled as a family to Puerto Rico a lot. My grandparents lived in Puerto Rico um, when I was little. We'd go there a few times a year and we would take road trips from Indiana to Florida a lot. But that, you're right, that was always with family. It didn't, yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but. Well, because the other trip you talked about is the one that you went to at Purdue, like study abroad. Yes. So you did study abroad for some time, and then you also, okay. I think, went to Saint, San Luis Potosi. In Mexico, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was in that. high school. So that was during my junior to senior year in high school. And my older sister, the same one that had gone to D.C. before me, she had also gone to San Luis Potosi okay. a couple summers before. So that was a program through the Indiana University Honors Program. You had to apply for it. You had to be... To be um, at least, you know, a good level of, of Spanish speaking to be able to go. I lived with a family for eight weeks and you were only allowed to speak Spanish. That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. So that's where I learned to speak most of my Spanish and I went to school there and um, yeah, it was really, it was an amazing experience. And I was only, I think I was only 15 when I did that. Wow. So that was a big Thank your sister for breaking down barriers. I know, yeah. She's like, I went, it's fine. For sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's cool that she went. Because my parents, by the time it got to me, they were like, yeah, of course you can go. Well, there's so many people who are like, oh, well, I don't know if I want my kids to go on abroad trips. And, you know, it's awesome that your parents are like, no, you should go. Yeah, I think probably also because my dad is Mexican. Okay. So it helps that I'm half Mexican and it was, they wanted me to see the culture and That's speak cool. Spanish and they trusted me enough to do it because I was real, I was always real dorky. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it wasn't like sneaking out and going to parties or anything like that. Like, so it will be fine. <laughs> she'll be, she'll still be home in Mexico. It's I won't fine. hold it against you that it was an <laughs> IU trip that you Yeah, on. I know, I know. <laughs> but I, I, my allegiance was to Purdue. I eventually went to Purdue. Oh yeah, thank God. I mean... <laughs> We won't talk too much about that, but I think you talk a lot about your family and how it was important to your family and, and how they really, you know, invested in you wanting to experience the culture. So yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about that, right? Like similarly to you, I grew up in a very like Caucasian yeah. environment and spoke Spanish very young, but then like, I remember once we had a, a, a book in class, it was like third grade and the book was actually in English and Spanish. So they asked me to oh. read it. To the class and I'm like oh yeah I'm gonna read this but I distinctly remember like probably not pronouncing anything correctly because I never really learned how to read it and yeah. now I'm actually even trying to like reteach yeah. myself and I'm like oh that sounds rough <laughs> so for me I just think it's interesting that you're you know you grew up with two Latino parents yeah in the states in a very Caucasian neighborhood mm-hmm. and you had a similar experience where you're like I didn't use my language for a long time. Yeah. Um, Because it was a white neighborhood that we lived in. My my parents moved there to give us a good education because it was the best school system in the state. And, but it was, um, it was still very much looked down upon in the, in the early eighties to be anything but a white American. So yeah, my, my parents um, were very adamant about me 
speaking English and like being American. So we didn't really, we didn't speak it at home. And my parents didn't really speak it with their parents a lot either. And my mom grew up in Puerto Rico. My dad, he, he came to the U.S. from Mexico and he was in third grade, so like eight or nine years old. But they didn't really speak it with their family much. So I think being the second generation not doing that as the first generation, whatever. Like, Your first gen. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, like the, them kind of tapering off, not speaking it with their parents. And then, yeah, we didn't speak it a whole lot at all. I think it's interesting that that happens. Like my dad was worried that I wouldn't be able to speak two languages mm. because it's, it was a novelty in the States at that time oh, in the 80s, yeah. right? Like yeah. to have someone who was speaking a different language and so many people in the Midwest were like, what do you mean you mm-hmm. speak two languages? And mm-hmm. um, I just think it was really unique because we were also talking about stereotypes that people have about Latinos and Latinas in, in particular. Like, yeah. do you cook? Do you dance? <laughs> like, Oh gosh, yeah. And it's just, I think... This is an opportunity, obviously, for this podcast and for our listeners to kind of think about those stereotypes. Like, you know, not everybody's named Jose and not everybody's named, like, Carlos. There's just... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think it's very interesting to be the person who's the other in the room. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's... You far, you look far more Latina than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just a different perspective because we're talking about Black Lives Matter, but... We don't really always talk about the Latin experience as much, I don't think. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I don't really feel like I fit in, like, I I kind of feel like a white girl in some ways, but I, 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 but I don't because I'm not. I know. But, like, I grew up that way, and, and so to the white people, I'm not, and to the Latin community, I'm also not, so it's just, like, this weird middle ground where... You're not fully in one or the other. You're just kind of like in the the middle. In the middle. It's really yeah. awkward. Yeah. I remember filling out the bubbles, and it was like, "What are you?" And I'm like, mm, "Other." And then I'm like, <laughs> "I don't." You know, when you're just like, "What's your yeah. race?" and everything yeah, else yeah. like that, because I'm just like, I don't know what my race is. I know what my ethnicity is, but I don't know what my race is. Yeah. And I think it's. I had someone tell me once, you know, because you look so white. Honestly, it's your obligation as a non-white person who looks white to educate other white people who may be saying things that are not okay. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure to put on someone who doesn't even feel comfortable in their own, mm-hmm. like, group because, like you mm-hmm. said, you're not, I'm not either. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm curious because for me, a lot of the reason why I love travel is because I came from, like, my mom's from Nicaragua. She traveled. And I came from that mixed background. I was like, I want to go see the world. I want to experience it. Do you think any of the reason why you wanted to travel was influenced by your parents? Because they're both like semi-immigrants. I mean, Puerto Rico is part of the States. So if anybody's on this call and doesn't realize (laughs) that, like Puerto Rico is part of the United States. It's America. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't, I mean, yes, in that we still had like cultural things. Like we still had Puerto Rican music and we went to the Mexican Independence Day parades and and the culture was still very much a part of my upbringing like sure. it, it wasn't ignored sure. aside from the Spanish speaking part and that wasn't ignored either it just wasn't um at the and, forefront and yeah so I, I think there was there was a part that was a cultural appreciation for mm. it because what I love about traveling one of the things I love about traveling is learning about other cultures and how they celebrate different things and the different days that they have and the different outfits and the, and the food and 
everything, the family dynamics, all of that. So I think because my family was so strong in their roots, in the Puerto Rican roots and the, the Mexican roots, I think it did have, like it sparked the curiosity in me to want to learn those parts of other cultures. Cool. Probably, yeah. I think like you do a lot of solo travel, mm -hmm. which I really appreciate I love and love. It, yeah. Because, I mean, you just got back from Greece. And uh -huh. the reason why I just thought of this was because I know that you were just posting about like the food and like yeah. you were on a boat. Uh-huh. On a solo yoga retreat boat. Yeah. So what was that like? <laughs> Oh, it was so cool. So I signed up for it alone. Um, and the so I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was going to be a group of girlfriends and the yoga instructor and the captain, but I thought there were going to be like seven people on the boat. Well, it ended up being just the yoga instructor, the captain, and this um, one other guy who is an entrepreneur and he was moving from Bali and he was super cool and the yoga instructor was nice. It was just a really good group there were four of us total and we just went island hopping every day we were at a different island and we'd stop in the middle of the water and just jump in the oh jump in the sea and it was turquoise blue and you could see the bottom and it was just gorgeous it was so nice it was so nice and then we'd do yoga in the morning we'd wake up and go like go to a beach and do yoga and that's awesome yeah it was hard to go back to work i'm sure it was <laughs> after that that was like a magical trip it was if so you're fun. not following selena already like i mean it's worth the follow just because some of the like <laughs> pictures and photos that you took of that trip were like outstanding that was such a good trip um, thank you yeah that i just nice. think that those types of experiences are are life-changing to a certain yeah. extent yeah cool because solo travel i like it better because you have to meet other people mm -hmm. And there's there's a part of it that like, I like doing what I want when I want to do it. I like going wherever I want to go. And then, you know, there are some times where I do like to have human interaction sometimes and to meet people. So I've met some of my best friends from solo travel. And it's always the things that you never expect, like the nights that you never expect or a night that you don't really feel like going out and you push yourself to go out and then and then boom you meet someone and actually I was just with a girlfriend last night I met her we we met at a pub and she's from Barcelona cool I met her in Lisbon nice when I was solo in Lisbon and she was solo in Lisbon we went to a couch surfing event dinner and we ended up meeting there and then I met some other friends like another one of her friends that she was going to Portuguese school with and then I met him and then I met another friend through him so I've been to Poland with that other guy and then I've gone to Helsinki to visit the other guy and so it's just like wow from that one night yep. and I almost didn't go to that dinner but I went to that dinner and then I made so many friends and had so many different life-changing experiences because of it so that's what's really cool well I think it's really cool travel. to hear you say that because I know a lot of times you're like Krista, I don't want to go out today, yeah. and I don't want to leave the house. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, like, leave it. the house. <laughs> no. And the thing is, but like, there's a lot of people who are listening who are like, oh, but I just, I'm not that person who can go do that. But yeah. you are the person that says you can't do that, and but you yeah. do. Yeah. Sometimes you have to force yourself. Like, there are a lot of times where I'm like, I don't feel like doing this, and then you, sometimes you're you're like, oh, I might as well have just stayed home. But sometimes. They're nights that can change your life, and that's that's why you got to get out of bed and do it, or get off the couch and do it, is because you never, you never know what's going to happen. It, it's those moments I think make 
mm-hmm. experience yeah. for everything, even in your everyday life. Yes. Like, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, today. Who yeah. knows what we're gonna, what's going to happen tonight? I we know. We don't even know what we're going to do. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. We don't know what's going on. Um, so I, I think what the other thing I want to talk about is this sabbatical you took. Yeah. Like, you know, you're career-driven, very similar. Like, yeah. you and I are like, we're going to go do this. We're going to, you know, yeah. do our own thing, buy our own homes, you know, have this life. Mm-hmm. And midway through, you're like, pause. I'm going to go and travel for three months. Yeah. Not have a like actual place. I'm just going to go. Yeah. So that wasn't by choice okay. that I stopped my career. So I was living at the time I was a sales manager in San Francisco and I just got a beautiful brand new high rise apartment. It was $37.50 a month. I'd moved in on April 9th. On April 25th, HR had a call with me and they told me that June 24th was going to be my last day. So I freaked out for a minute (laughs) and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, I have to have a job that's going to pay me enough to be able to sustain this kind of life that I already have. Like, I'm alone. I don't have a husband or a roommate or anybody that I can rely on to help me with this. And so I started thinking about what it is that I could do. So naturally I started like applying for um, for jobs in, in the US. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. I don't, I don't have a husband. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have any kids and I've got money in the bank. So like what, what, is, what would I really, really, really wanna do? I have a blank slate in front of me right now realistically. So I thought, I want to travel. I would love to travel. So I did the responsible thing, and I tried to look at a job outside of the U.S. first. Okay. So I applied for um, a sales training job. Okay. And I said, okay, if I, if I don't get that job, I'm just going to travel. And then that was, so that was option B. And then option C was to get a job in San Francisco that paid me enough. So those are my three options. Got it. Corporate, travel the world, or San Francisco. So I didn't get the, the learning training job. So I said, okay, I'm gonna travel the world. So I got a ticket into Italy and out of Portugal for 90 days, because that's how long US citizens can stay in the, in the Schengen. Which is the European zone, basically, yeah. of the Eurozone. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's what I did. So then I spent a month in Italy, a month in Spain and a month in Portugal. And I got places that were like my home base. I'd go to a big city, make it my home base and then do the little traveling in between. So that was an amazing experience. And I was so afraid to go alone because it was alone that I went. Um, yeah. And I ended up, so I ended up subleasing my apartment to a girl I put on Craigslist. I talked to the leasing agent at the um, apartment building. I told her my whole story and she found a loophole in the lease that got me out instead of paying like 10 grand. I paid 500 and the the girl just took over my lease. Sweet. Yeah. So, um, so that was good. And then I got rid of all my stuff. I had my sister. I flew her out from Florida. We packed my car with as much stuff as we could. We took a road trip from San Francisco to Florida. Cool. I left my car there, and then and then I left. And then I took nine months off total. I took nine months off working. And in the midst of all that, I um, 
had made the arrangements for this London job, which is a whole other story. But um, yeah, so this London job came up in the middle of that traveling situation. But that was that was amazing. I'm so I mean, glad I did that. I truly believe things happen for a reason, yes. right? Like you made this opportunity. You're like, I'm gonna take the leap. I'm gonna take mm-hmm. the jump. I'm just gonna go and do this. Yeah. And it sounds very similar to like my own story. I like sat in the bath, like in the kitchen after a trip, and I like sat in the bathroom crying, and I was yeah. like, Do I want to do this? And I was like, You just have this earth kind of shattering moment in your gut, and you're mm-hmm. like, Yep, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. As scary as it is, yeah. I'm gonna do this, and then we're just gonna see what happens. Yeah. And, and I sold everything in my house. Yes. And it is a moment. It is a moment. Isn't it? Because it is. I distinctly remember the moment that I decided that it was possible. Yep. Because I didn't, I wasn't even thinking that it was in the realm of possibility before that until I thought, well, wait a minute, this is very realistic. Yep. I, you just need time and money. And I had that. So. And I think the thing too is like, if you put yourself in a position, Mm-hmm. to to not take on debt or not to you know yeah. when you're in that position like you have to make the financial responsible decision right for yourself yeah. right and, yeah. and the thing is you and I had been at the point in that in that moment where we could do that mm-hmm. because we didn't have anybody relying on us and we were able to get the support of our family which I think was huge right yeah. like my family helped me out too and it's nice that your sister could go and support you and yeah. do that yeah. but it's a life-changing moment mm-hmm. and then you did that travel so like what was the actual experience like for those three months? So what was it like? Um, I don't know. It was kind of, it was just kind of like, okay, well, the adventure begins. You know, like I, I, I had no idea how it was going to go because I didn't plan anything out in the future. So I started in the Amalfi Coast when I got to Italy. I flew into Naples and then I, I got a place for two weeks in Salerno, which is a ferry ride away from okay. all the cute little Malfi town so um and that's your favorite joint as well favorite spot out of everywhere you've gone was that area uh out of everywhere in the world or that trip that well everywhere in the world maybe oh I don't know about everywhere in the I don't think everywhere in the world I would say that 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 trip was pivotal to me because there was a moment that I was in I was on a ferry going from Salerno to um, Amalfi and I remember looking at the cliffs and the ocean and I had my music on in my ears and it was just a beautiful sunny day and I had no worries about work and your life is life. just awesome it was just amazing and I felt like that feeling where you're in love you know how you're just like oh my god I love you <laughs> and it was my life like I wasn't saying it to a man I was just like my life I love you and I just couldn't believe that that was my life at that moment. So that's why it was my favorite. Like, I'll never forget it. And, and it'll have a special place because that's where it really kicked all of this off. Um, but the coolest places I've ever been would be Varanasi, India, Cuba, and a place called Matera, Italy. Those are the top three. Okay. Yeah. Why? Um, Varanasi, India, because it's very spiritual. It's the the holiest city in India. Okay. And they have it's just a like you just feel it when you're when you're there, and it's just so it's not very touristy. Got it. It's like these tiny little streets with people um, you selling their things, and they also the most interesting part is that they have a live cremation site going twenty four seven. 
Okay. And it's just on, it's on the side of the river, and they have these families take their loved ones there, and they cremate them, and they sit with it. The men only sit with them until the body is um, ashes, and then they put the ashes in the river, and then they bathe in the river, and they have this whole ritual around it. And it was just so interesting to see. Wow. Um, and there were cows that were going there because it's like a, like a steps on the side of the river. And you just see these, these bodies. They're like mummified. You can't actually see the bodies, but you can see them burning and you can yeah. see all the people there. And it is 24-7. Really? It's going on. It was so interesting. It was so interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. What about Cuba? Cuba was really cool because it was taking a step back in time. Okay. Like it's really the 1950s. Fords all over the place and it's not for show like those are the real cars that they actually use right so uh, we had a driver I went with my with my aunt we went for a week and we went to Havana um, oh my gosh I don't remember all the places that we went but basically we went to like four or five different towns okay and this driver would come with us everywhere and it was just it was really cool because you know in, in India too and in Cuba the people don't have things they don't have anything and that they're poor but they're happy and they make do with what they have and they appreciate their family and they appreciate their life and it's about the culture and the food and the people it's not about what job you have or what designer bag you have or what car you drive it's not about any of that so yeah it's just I really really liked I hope Cuba stays that way you know I hope it doesn't get too commercial because it's such a gem it's such a gem and it's really really nice that it's still kind of untouched to see that I can appreciate that I haven't had a chance to visit Mm -hmm. um, but I think those types of places yeah really touch your soul Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting to us because I think it does more than just show a different culture it like touches your own ideas and thought processes yeah. of how you see the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, in that moment, you're like, huh, th- that's really different, and I didn't think about it that way. Uh-huh. And maybe I should be reconsidering how I approach life. Yes, yes. Because even in Cuba, they don't have cell phone reception. Right. If you, need, if you need internet, you have to buy a card from this little hut on the side of the road. You get an internet card, and then they have hotspots around the city. So you go to this park that has a hotspot, you get your card, you try to log in, and you always know where these hotspots are because you could always see people hanging, okay. <laughs> hanging out. Like okay. you'll know, even if you don't know, you'll know. So you log in and it takes forever to get internet. There's some sites that are restricted. There's police officers walking around, you know, making sure that you're not going on any kind of restricted websites. And so it was really interesting just the fact that like, oh my God, I can have cell phone reception anywhere if I go home, you know, and it's not like that everywhere. You consider the things that you should be like grateful for that you don't really remember until you go visit somewhere else. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. And that's why it changes you. That's why it's so humbling and so like eye opening. It's because you see the way that people live and you see them happy living without all the things that you take for granted sometimes and you think you need. (laughs) <laughs> I think you, you shared like a couple tips at different places and we'll obviously post that on the story. But I mean, for us, I think this is so impactful for you to share like how travel has changed you because I think, you know, when you're in the same place where you go to the same places all the time and you travel, just, we want to be beyond that destination we talk about on every episode, but like you can't go just to see it. 
Mm-mm. You got to go to experience it yeah. and feel it and, and hope that it like makes you better every yeah. time you go somewhere else, right? Yeah. And I think that's in the meeting people part and hearing their stories. Yeah. And even going to the grocery store, even. I love going to the grocery stores in foreign countries because you go to the milk section even and you see all the different kinds like, of milk. What is this? Like, what is this? This is not like, a blue skim milk top. I don't know what's what this is. happening. <laughs> Or like going to see what kind of cookies they have or the kind of fruits, whatever. Like it's just so different. There's you so know? many fruits that I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I don't even want to try it. It doesn't even yeah, look like good. how do you eat this? <laughs> <laughs> Am I gonna die if I eat the wrong part of this fruit? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so it's like it's the people that you meet there and just talking to them and finding out like what do they love about their city. I remember meeting this guy in Amsterdam one time at a coffee shop and we're just sitting at the this table this is random guy and I'm like what are like what are your favorite places in Amsterdam like where do you really like to go so he told me a few a few places and then I said what's the best thing to do like this non-touristy like what's the best part of Amsterdam and he said a walk during sunrise is the best thing that you could do in Amsterdam really because it's beautiful there with like the I couldn't the tell you because I'm not a morning person <laughs> You, you do it. You I, do I don't even me. want to do it. I'll be like, Selena, he's let right. Let me know. <laughs> the sunset's really nice. But yeah, but he said sunrise. Um, a sunrise walk in Amsterdam. So it's just, I love talking to people. Well, my dad always laughs at me because I'll be like in a restaurant. I'll ask the waiter like what they would recommend. Because mm. for me, like I, I want to try something that the people that work there or the people that live there or whoever, not a, just a restaurant, just the city, the town. What do you like to do? Yeah. Because then that's where I want to be. Yes. Like, I like finding the hidden spots. Yes. The places around the corner that are not tourist traps. Mm-hmm. And I did that even when I went to Spain recently. Like, I asked them, like, where should I go? Where do you recommend? Yeah. And I rode my bike out, like, 40K just to go to this one little cafe. And I was like, this was the place to be. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I had a local tell me that. Yes. You know? Yes. That's where the magic is, is where the locals know where to go. That's the magic. And it's usually the hole-in-the-wall places, and they're the best. They're yeah. so good. So when COVID's done mm-hmm. and dusted, yeah, which eventually we'll get to, um, where do you want to go? Oh, uh, where do I want to go? I don't know. That's a good question. I really want to go to Japan one day that's high on my list to really want to go to southeast asia because i've not really done um much of southeast asia so, um yeah i'd probably go there i'd probably do like a a tour around southeast asia i can dig it yeah that's on my list as well mm-hmm. a lot of people say japan i think a lot of people say japan because of maybe the historic Mm-hmm. nature and the peace and the spirituality that comes along with it mm-hmm. but you can't beat a beach in bali at least that's what i hear i've heard that too so i mean i get the spirituality but mm-hmm. i feel like you can find that at a yoga mat in bali. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's true i mean i just think japan is so interesting with the modern and the historic and like, that's fair and i love japanese design and i want to okay. see how packed the trains get during rush hour <laughs> I want to see the guys like shoving the people in the in the metro trains with their white gloves. I'd need to see that in real life. But yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I love beaches. So there I mean, there's so many places that I that I want to go. Bora Bora, Maldives. 
a lot of places that well, I haven't been. Long list. Super long. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, if anyone's out there and you want to follow Selena, she'll be tagged in some of the stories that we post. So you can follow her adventures and anything that's coming down her way. Um, but as always, thanks for tuning in. Please take a moment to check out the post for the three top locations she mentioned. And if anything, we hope that this will inspire you to go out and take another experience beyond the destination. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. For more information about our guest speakers, their favorite locations, or the Nourish Your Drive project, please visit nourishyourdrive.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share with your network and don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening. And please be sure to let us know what you think by leaving us a review. If you have any questions for our guests or requests for specific locations, please drop us a note at nourishyourdrive at gmail.com. Until next time, continue to explore experiences beyond the destination.